0: shit, nerd shit, so strap on it
1: because we're talking about the
2: nerd shit. I'm Sam Wilson. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Liz Torrey nerd Shit is the podcast where we talk about all your favorite nerdy movies and series and do deep dive spoiler heavy discussions on them
1: we're going to talk about all the things that make them work and all the
0: things that make them suck
2: we're also going to handle disagreements in a respectful
0: non-toxic way all the while taking everything with a healthy
1: dose of humor after all it's just entertainment everything doesn't have to be so serious I will
0: be working with Giorgio Suculos, uh in January for my War of the Worlds project, so oh. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. He's not, he's not playing my crazy alien dude. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> want to play that type of character, but he is eyeing another character that I have uh, in the script, and... Once he makes his decision, I'll I'll announce it. I can't wait. That's awesome,
1: Liz. Yeah, that's gonna Excellent. be re- really really cool. Yeah. So he so he's he's the ancient aliens guy with like the the spiky yes. hair is like the guy the yep. meme mm-hmm. guy.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Is the is the project gonna be an audio thing or a video thing or some kind of hybrid? It's gonna be a video thing. Um I'm trying to get
0: it ready for next fall. I've been working on pre-production, finally had the breakthrough. Uh, they've given me, they've given me permission to film things for it so that I can use it to get funding. Uh, Through SAG, so I've been given uh, a certificate to be able to film while we're in this strike.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, so just just film a little bit of a a proof of concept for the purposes of getting funding. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Very, very, very cool. And yeah, hopefully the strike will be resolved by the time you start filming the full thing. In January, I think it's pretty safe. I think so too, especially since the writers' strike is over. I would imagine yeah. the SAG strike isn't going to last too much longer. Although I know, I know the studios are still kind of being assholes about certain things. Like, like, I think that they, I think they actually slid back and gave them like a worse offer. Then, then they appreciate yeah, it. Again, is which yeah. is like, well, if you're trying to piss off all the, uh, all the, all the talent. That's definitely the way to do it. But yeah, it wasn't a good week, but, uh,
0: Fran Drescher made a made an announcement, uh, just a few minutes ago about it. And she said she's not angry. She's hopeful. She's not going to. She's not gonna let masculine feelings get in the way and she can lead without being angry. <laughs> I thought you're gonna say. It's like she's not
1: angry, she's disappointed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She was disappointed.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she choked the shit out of that
0: pin that she was holding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's just squeezing it as hard as she can. It's like, I'm not angry. I'm not I'm, not I'm really <laughs> angry. <I> just... Hi <laughs> <laughs> guys, this is Fran
0: Dresher. I'm not angry at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love you Fran Drescher, who I'm quite certain listens to this podcast on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Once again, why just give just retweet us,
1: give us a share, god damn it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let everybody know how cute and cuddly we are. <laughs> Oh, they can't see us, but they can tell from our voices, I'm sure. They can mm-hmm. tell, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You
0: can tell I'm a Jigglypuff just by listening to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Zach, what's your favorite first-gen Pokemon? The defaults I go to are Bulbasaur and uh, Charizard. Ooh. If I got into my head, Bulbasaur. I do like the starters. Squirtle's yeah. mine. Squirtle's always been mine. Oh, crap. Just thought of a third
0: one, Kadabra. I don't know why. Oh, Kadabra is awesome, yeah. I, I liked
1: for alligator. That was my that was my go to. Oh, nice. That's a great one. I think I said Gen. Wait, is that from Gen one? I don't remember which one it is. No, yeah. that's gen uh, no, 2. no, I
0: don't think that's. I think that's <laughs> Gen two. Yeah,
1: that's okay. You already said it's you fun. already said Jigglypuff, so I'm gonna take that as yours. Oh, Jigglypuff yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, because no. <laughs> <laughs> I had Gen one because those those are the ones I actually know because I, I don't really oh, I don't okay. really know much of anything. But well, it's also just like it's just it's just too many to choose from. If I like take any Gen ever. It's like even right. Gen One is 150 plus a couple legendaries. It's like, yeah, uh, it's a lot.
2: It's a lot. Yeah, you, you can just say any random combination of words and assume that there's that's a Pokemon name. That's at this a Pokemon, point. Like, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a Pokemon.
2: <laughs> gunfish. That's what my mom says. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is that a, is that one of them Pokemon things? I love yes,
2: Gunfish.
1: Mom, it's, just it's just a fish with a gun. Just. <laughs> Actually,
2: now that I think about it, I think. The, the design is actually a Pokemon. There is a Pokemon that is just a fish shaped like a gun, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well uh Glub,
0: <Glob-glob>, glub, motherfuckers.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of weapons and guns, let's talk about a war movie. Hunger Games of Mocking Ooh. Jay. part one Ooh. this is going to be part one of our two part Mockingjay review since they split the movie into two movies so we're going to split our review into two uh, Battle of the Somers and Snakes is coming out next week so we're going to take a look back at the first part of mockingjay so this is going to be a full spoiler discussion and if you haven't listened to our reviews of hunger games hunger games catching fire you can go back into our backlog and those those are up there we, we we did all those this year so you don't have to go back too far but i do like dealing with the fallout of the destruction of district 12 which katniss finds out about at the end of the last movie we're, we're continuing katniss's ptsd you know from movie to movie and like i i think that they do a really good job with the writing and with Jennifer Lawrence's portrayal of portraying PTSD in a really raw and realistic way. Uh, you know, I, I, like They handle the material really well in these movies, I think. So what, what do you guys think of sort of her character journey going into the beginning of the film?
2: Yeah, no, I like how shattered she clearly is um, from everything that she's just been going through and remains to be. I like that they show even here that her being strong has nothing to do with the fact that she is shattered, um, that she is kind of shattered and is, is ex- deeply experiencing the trauma and the PTSD. She's still fierce and driven and able to bulldoze through people. She's still brave and courageous. It's just she's traumatized and that is affecting her very deeply. We see
0: at the very beginning of this, the thing about Katniss is Katniss has always made a decision based on Prim. From the very beginning, Katniss has always done her heroic shit because she wanted to keep Prim safe. Now, in the book, it's still evident that she's doing it for Prim. But in this movie, we see her break pretty early on. She's already dealing with the PTSD, and she finally decides that she's going to do it for everyone, not just for her and Prim. And I love that. Of course, Prim is always there on her mind, and that's the biggest thing about, about her. That's the reason why she's so afraid of Snoke, because she knows that Snoke would kill her family on purpose just to get at her.
1: Of course, we're we're gonna continue our referring to President Snow as Snoke from the previous Catching Fire. (laughs) Before
0: we sat down, I was like Snow, Snow, (laughs) Snow,
2: Snow. As as much as I love you, Donald Sutherland, uh, just because of that, I am going to forever conflate you uh, with Andy Serkis. And...
0: both very talented actors uh, but i do have to say the idea that snow is actually a puppet controlled by palpatine makes so much fucking sense
1: <laughs> if you say so um i don't know does uh, it doesn't no, it does though does though it, 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 yeah. it makes so much sense. i mean i mean hear me out
0: snow was palpatine's body when he was blown up in the second Death Star, his body just floated down and was like, "Oh, oh, look at this! There's not just tiny Ewoks here. There's also also these people on the other side of the planet that think they're dying." Yeah, we're all we're all on Endor right now.
1: Okay, I I kind of thought this is Earth in <laughs> some kind of dystopian future, but if you say but so, <laughs> apparently apparently
2: Sendor." <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say that I'm glad our listeners got to listen to some grade A nerd bullshitting right
1: there. <laughs> God damn it! That was that. That that required, that required even more uh, mental phantom gymnastics than the theory that all the Pixar movies take place in the same universe. If you guys see oh, that, it's like I read that whole fucking like rationale. And I'm like, wow, that took some gymnastics. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? I, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> I I I didn't believe it until the movie Elemental came out, and then I was like, you know what? It might be the same universe, every single one of
1: them, now that Elemental is out. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> God, I still need to see that actually. I keep you to watch that. But it's it's like it's, yeah, that's cute. It's like, yeah, I, I want to see it. Yeah. I do actually want to see that. I was it's really a good love story. I was really interested in that. Yeah. But speaking of a good love story, Maki J. Really, so the love K- story that I really love is, of course, Gale and Katniss. Oh my god! I think they're they're oh meant, they're meant to be. Those two are meant to be they together. Are.
2: This is one healthy, honest relationship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can I just say that Gale is a motherfucking bish? <laughs> Everything, even when he's telling the story, even when he's telling the story about what happened in District Twelve, I want to be sad. But he looks with these eyes the whole time he's telling the story, like this is gonna get me laid. I am gonna be all up in that cat mess. I-, I fucking hate him.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the Gale character either. Although, w- w- as I say that, I well, he's your favorite actor. <laughs> I do think that the Gale character does serve a role within the story that I think is I think is good. Absolutely. you know I just I just don't I don't think that he's a likable character. but I don't necessarily think that he's think meant he's to fodder. be I don't think he's meant to be that likable by the end of it. I will say, you saying that Liz might be a little bit reaching. The character of Gale, I do think genuinely is, like, he means everything that he's saying at that point, or that he really did want to save more people and everything. I think the problem with the scene is that I look in a Liam Hemsworth eyes, and I, there's just nothing back there. It's like, I just <laughs> I just feel like there's just cobwebs going, going through that boy's head. Like... <laughs> it's just remembering the lies. You ever
2: seen a he- Liam's boy. <laughs> Was that the line? Was that the line? the internal monologue
1: I'm saying is am I getting my lines right? How do I look on camera? How is this light making me look? Like that's that's what I'm seeing.
0: Do you think Miley will climb me after I get done with this scene?
1: I actually think he's probably the best in this movie that he is in any of the movies, but he's just not that good of an actor. And the more I watch no, these movies, not. the yeah. more I'm I like I was yeah. going to say, it's like,
2: this, this is his best performance. Yeah,
1: like. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: and that's saying something because it's no
1: bueno. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just really think that, like, I, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, Liam Hensor's, like, internal thoughts, and I'm just picturing, you know, Patrick Starr, just the glass of water that just just, like, falls down and spills. That just (laughs) just was in his brain. I don't like the archetype. That's what
0: it is. They took all of the barbarian warrior male archetype that they split from PETA and put it into one character. And I honestly, and here's here's the thing, I'm going to go out there on a limb, and I think the author originally made him to be an archetype That would do something really shitty in the end, because he is always teetering on this guy is a little creep throughout the whole series. And in the books, there's no evidence that Katniss has feelings for him at all. Every time that scene comes and she kisses him, it's just gross. It's like watching a a sister kiss her brother. And that's, that's the way they really do feel, like brother and sister. It doesn't feel intimate at all. And I think the original, I think the writer meant for, not the film writer, but the book writer meant for them to always feel like that. But I think she always meant for Gail to do the horrible things that he does wrong.
1: I don't know if I agree with all of that. Like, Okay, Suzanne Collins is the author of the the book trilogy. I think Suzanne Collins definitely had a plan from the start of what the overall story was going to be, and I think that she always kind of knew where Gale's story was going to end. So I'll agree with that aspect of what you just said, Liz. But I don't know if they were necessarily set up to be brother and sister, even in the book. Like, maybe that's how Katniss perceives the relationship, but even even book version of Gale, I think, always wanted more from that relationship than that. Absolutely. And I do, but I do think even in the book, the fact that Katniss kind of picks up on the fact that he, that that's what he wants, I think that she does... I think that it gets kind of mixed up and confusing for her in both both the book right. version and the movie version, where she almost does have this feeling of, like, I don't know, maybe, but she but she never is able to really sit still long enough to really consider it. I don't know. I don't think she ever
0: does. I do think – I think you're absolutely right. I do think that he – that I think he thinks he's making progress with her and he's getting out of the friend zone. And I'm doing that in quotation marks because that's the type of that's the type of guy he is. He's a nice guy in quotation marks. He's a nice guy. And I do think that he believes that he's working at being her husband or her lover. That kiss is so alien. In this movie it is gross it there is no chemistry there i'm glad they didn't go that but direction The
1: thing is is that even as portrayed in the movie even in the dialogue in this movie it's like she's doing it not because she wants to kiss him but because she feels like that's what he wants and yeah and yes and, and he even says that it's like you're only doing it because you only do things like that when i'm in pain I think she maybe doesn't exactly know for herself exactly in what way she cares about him, but she but she does certain things like that because be, be, because she's seeing the pain to that soothe he's in, him. Be, yeah, yeah, to, to soothe yeah. him to make him feel better because she feels that this is this is the thing that I can do to make him feel better. Again, I I, I don't think she necessarily knows whether she likes him in that way or not. When you know? he says that, when he says that,
0: I just want to kick him in the balls every time every time he says you only do that whenever i'm in pain and I, it just I really he's right, pisses but me also off so
2: he's a dick about it
0: it's one of those you owe me sex because you should want to give me sex i really hate this character i
2: really hate gale and it just gets worse from here on out and the thing is again i think personally he's a good character i don't like him but i like the function he serves i, I think that exactly yeah.
0: Yes, he needs to be in the film because he is an archetype of life. He is something that women that women have to face every day more than men can ever, ever, ever imagine. So I'm not saying that his archetype should not be there. I'm saying that I'm glad his archetype is there and I'm going to talk shit about this motherfucking bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I, I even get the feeling uh, towards the end of the movie that when he volunteers to go on that rescue mission, I feel like he wants to do it to rescue PETA. I think he wants to do it to, like, get points with Katniss. See, yes. like, I, I saved yeah. PETA for you type thing. That's, that's kind of <laughs> his energy
2: throughout this whole film is he's trying... In a way, and this kind of adds on to that toxic perception you have of him, Liz. It almost feels like he wants to prove to Katniss that he is tough and cool and brave and strong and interested in her. And he almost, like, even him choosing a crossbow as his weapon feels like a direct attempt to emulate, also prove himself to Katniss, but also try and prove to her that he's just as good as her even though he's like objectively not and even when he starts talking about his experience in 12 which to be honest is both a real experience but also you get the impression yeah. he's talking about it now because he's trying to prove himself to katniss to himself to the rebels which is ultimately yes. where the, his worst decisions in part two come from, is that desire to aggrandize himself, to be more important, yes. to be cooler. and But that's part two. We'll get to that.
0: You, you could actually be right. He may be acting for the camera in that scene, because I feel like he is acting. Not that Liam Hemsworth is so bad that I can see him acting in quotation marks, but that gale is performing for the masses that will see this propaganda that was 100% the impression i got
1: yeah i don't know, i go back and forth on that i i think i do think he's being pretty sincere with a lot of what he's saying there because like i what was i, I if District Twelve is is his home too. Like I know he lost. I I guess his. Fa- yeah. I guess his family died yeah. too because we don't ever see his family yeah. in this movie. I think he's being honest, but I also think he's playing it up. If that makes sense, yeah. You know. That makes sense. That makes sense. Katniss does that at certain points in this movie, too, you know, playing it up for the cat. She does that after the hospital bombing. She definitely she definitely plays it up. You know, like like she's definitely feeling a lot of emotions, but she she recognizes the opportunity to use what she's feeling in order to create, you know, that 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 propaganda film. She slips into Hunger Games Katniss. Yeah, where she has to perform. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. And, and there's a lot of that that happens in this movie. I think that's one of the interesting things about this first part of of Jay is how much the the how how big a part of of the 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 movie the the propos are, and the the idea yeah. of it's not just about you know we're being the heroes and like causing the revolution. It's like it's it's more important to look heroic than it is to actually be heroic in this film because it's about yeah, yeah recognizing look. One person is not going to topple this regime. Like we got to get the people on our side, and that—that's one of the things I've always been conflicted about the fact that they did split this into two movies because I I had felt initially they didn't need to. But one thing about this movie that I think does really benefit from being a part one is they're able to do more scenes of showing yes, the larger revolution. Of Mm -hmm. not just showing it from Candace's point of view, or even just Snow's point of view in the back and forth, but was showing like the normal people and what they're doing, with them them bombing the peacekeepers in the forest, with them bombing the hydro plants. It it shows that this is a revolution that's a lot bigger than just Candace Everdeen.
2: This is not Katniss Everdeen saves the day. This is an entire revolution comes together and people have
0: had
1: 75 years of this bullshit and they're fucking tired of it. And they just exactly. they just need that spark. It's it's the it's the catching fire metaphor. Yeah. They just needed that one spark to push them. People can only take so much. Yeah, with the whole District 13 storyline, what do you guys think of Julianne Moore as uh, President Alma Coin? I think she's a very interesting and very cool you know, I very steely, icy character, you know, in
2: this film. You know, I like how her... She does eventually get the obvious heel turn, but I like how, if you're paying attention, that's something that you could probably see because she's always, always thinking how what she's saying and how what she's about to do is going to be perceived. Um, She's always playing to an audience playing to a base um every time she talks um everything that she says is she says and does is a tactical move on her part um and julianne moore does a great job of playing that um in my opinion i love the scenes with her with her interacting with katniss I like how even she um, questions whether or not it would have been better to go ahead and get PETA, just like we were asking. It's like, uh, would PETA technically have uh, been better for the job of actually giving these speeches? Maybe, yes, and she certainly thinks so. But, again, Plutarch knows exactly why
1: Katniss was needed. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, like, Katniss was already chosen by the people to be the symbol of this exactly. revolution. It's like, you know, P- PETA would have been better at a lot of this stuff than Katniss is. PETA would have been better. But Katniss was already the symbol. And they, they had to yeah. just ride yeah. that. They had to ride the momentum. They would have been starting from scratch if they had tried to make PETA the face yeah. of it, you know? Exactly. Those are the yeah. seeds that were planted. Exactly. The thing about uh, President Al
0: Coyne is she becomes the antagonist in this book and in this movie series. She becomes the antagonist. We see her become because I honestly think that Coin really is giving what she thinks as unfiltered information. Because when we first meet her, she makes this deal with Katniss and she's willing to compromise to progress and she says that. And I think when she says that, to make progress, you have to compromise. I think she truly believes that. And I think that's the first time we see a chip that's the statue of Alma Coyne break off. I think that hard shell starts to loosen. And I think that's the beginning where she loses her moral compass because she is looking at a bigger picture. However... She eventually can't control her desire for revenge, which is a human emotion, a human feeling. I think at the very beginning of this, we are seeing her have a hard time with Katniss. And I thought when I first saw the series and I thought when I first read that Coyne was jealous of Katniss. I think eventually she becomes jealous, and eventually she doesn't want her to have too much power, which is why she tries to have her killed eventually. I think we saw someone become a snake in the grass. I don't think she has been
2: hiding for a long time and there is throughout this movie increase an increasing pressure of feeling that she is antagonistic towards katniss precisely because she can't fully control her yes yes um, like from the yes. moment that she makes the deal with katniss she's like okay we'll free the victors but then very publicly says as long as you keep your end of the bargain putting it on yes. katniss and in front of everybody making sure that she has that leverage. Almost every interaction she has with Katniss is her trying to get and hold that leverage with her. Yes. And that's that tells you a lot about coin. That is like, okay, she's not just in this revolution for justice. She does want power. She does want that control. Snow isn't a flat villain.
0: He's just someone who has become bitter and his way of I don't want to see war, so we have to kill a few people. So that we don't see war. Coin comes at it to, I don't really want to kill anybody. And then she moves to become the new snow. And I think we see that play out in, in these two movies. I honestly think that Coin is a pretty genuine character in the beginning. And then you have to watch the way that she plays the teams. And then she learns that she's going to have to manipulate. And she learns that she has to manipulate from Plutarch.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that yeah, I have a very stupid small nitpick uh, about coin, which actually has nothing to do with the writing, the portrayal, or anything now like I want. Her hair, mostly those fucking contacts. And I know in the book right. she has these like weird golden yellow eyes or something like that. But it's just like I enjoy the y a genre, but sometimes I just feel like books the the books of that style just get a little like weird and whimsical with the way they describe characters of people having like weird eye colors and shit like that. It's like, look, this is supposed to be Earth in some kind of dystopian future. Like just let Julian Moore have her regular eyes. Like her hair is fine. She she just has grey hair, yeah. whatever, like it's it's fine, but Yeah.
0: You know why her eye color was that was that color though, don't you? Because they're on indoor, and she's becoming a Sith.
1: (laughs) No, no, but but she totally has those Sith eyes. She has the Darth Maul eyes. She does. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe,
0: maybe it's not so. It's not such a reach for them to be in the middle of that galaxy far far away yeah
1: (laughs) but no julian moore was good casting and i do like the way that like she she is so cool and calculating we you always see the wheels are turning julian moore
0: is always the right cast when she became clarice starling and replaced what's her face i can't even remember her name you know why because julian fucking moore
1: Oh, Jody Foster is so much better. As
2: as far as yeah. far as <laughs> Jody Foster, goes, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah I am good willing to no, throw hands Julian, there. No, Julian Morris, Clary uh, Starling is so
0: much better. Hannibal is my favorite one because of that team up. It, they're so good
2: together. Right. Uh, I I might throw hands there. Uh, Jody Foster is one of my <laughs> faves. So <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Someone out there is
0: going. That piece of shit doesn't know what they're talking about. Did Julianne
1: Moore win an Oscar for playing Corey
0: Starling? Uh, actually, she she did not, but it was it was still better. <laughs> Julianne Moore did, or sorry, Jodie Foster did. Excuse me. <laughs> well, that's because she was young, and the, the judges were easier back then. It was also
1: just a way better movie, but...
0: Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually prefer Hannibal over Silence of
2: the Lambs. Shh. You're like you're like the only person. I'll like, <laughs> say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Statistically speaking, it had to happen at some point. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to watch me in my taste in movies. <laughs>
1: I always forget that Mahershala is in this movie. I'm just going to say that every time I watch this movie, it's like, well, Mahershala is in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so random. (laughs) It's so random being in this. But yeah, it was cool character. No, no. Yeah, he's he's kind of a reserved character. Um, he's in the second one more, as far as the Mockingjay yeah. is. But yeah, we, we see, we, you, get more, you get more of his personality, I feel, in the second one, yeah. if nothing else. It's earlier in his career, so I yeah. think that they were still filling him out. But he's such a fucking powerhouse. Oh, he's one of the best. Yes. Yeah. But no, I, I think that that's why we tend to forget, or at least I tend to forget that he's in this movie. Is because when I first yeah. saw this, I didn't know who he was, and I didn't really find out who he was until after the fact. But now I go back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was Mahershala Ali, you know,
2: again before yeah. a lot of us really knew who he was. With what he's given, I think he does a great job. It's just there's not we don't get a lot of time to focus with this character. But you know when he's on screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. You
0: know when he's on screen.
1: Yeah, because because mm-hmm. he's on. I like, see he's on my my. Well, my, unless my
0: you're TV blind.
2: Picture. TV. <laughs> unless you're blind. I God mean, as long as you got ears, you <laughs> recognize Mahershala Ali. Goddamn. That man has a silky smooth.
0: I would like to see Ali replace Chuck Norris in those Chuck Norris jokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream. Well, he's supposed to be the new Blade for the MCU, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm excited I, about I, uh, that. I am too... I don't know what the status of that movie is, though, because like the I, I had heard that they wrote a script, but apparently the script that was written was like really bad, and they threw it out and fired the writer, and I had to start from scratch again. So I'm like, all right, it happens. I mean, as yeah. listen, as long as the movie is good by the time it actually comes out, like if there yes. if there was a trash script somewhere along the way, okay. You know. <laughs> we'll read the trash script and go, that script was shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can see
2: why that tossed that motherfucker cut. Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one thing I love about this movie is the fact that they brought Effie Trinket back because she's actually not in the book. Oh Mocking my god, Day. yes. And you know what? Here's the thing. Could you technically remove her from this movie and not really affect the plot that much? Yes, but It actually helps a lot, in my opinion, having her be there. It really does. It does. I'm going to push back on that because Effie says
0: there is no way you can replace me in this movie, and that's the reason why they had to make sure she was still alive and made her suffer in this godforsaken place wearing fucking gray. I mean, we're talking about Effie Trinket in fucking gray. She still made it look lovely, and I love what they did with her makeup, but no, I don't think the movie would have been the same without her, because that little bit of Effie makes all the difference. She is a heartbeat. She she gives me blood.
1: No, I agree, and when I was saying that, I, I guess I was just saying that like, she technically doesn't really affect the plot, but I do agree. I think yeah. the movie is better that she's in it. The movie is it improved is. By, by her presence. I, I agree.
2: completely yeah. agree. One of the most surprising things I keep forgetting about this film that I love every single time I come back to it is the fact that for some unfathomable reason, Effie and Plutarch Heavensby somehow became like BFFs and have that (laughs) energy in this. (laughs) They're Um, the mean girls. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I love what they're interacting. You know, Plutarch's not trying to be his... Like, one thing I'll say about Plutarch is I love how every single person he talks to, he knows how to push their buttons and manipulate them, whether that's Effie like says just the right thing to get them to do what he wants them to do, but he like his version of that with Effie is still a lot more honest and harsh than it is with almost everyone else. Not in a hating way, but again, in that kind of weird friend energy. It's like, yeah, no, this is the kind of shit your friend says to you. And the moment when he and Effie are just kind of giving coin shit a little bit when they're talking about uh, Katniss, I just, for some reason I was like, I don't know how this friendship struck up, but goddamn, it works. All right. Yes.
0: (laughs) And he also knows when to back off, like when he's in the bunker with coin And he's like, if I may, and she looks at him and goes, you're a welcome guest here, but put
2: your dick back in your pocket now.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, Those are great, the lines from the movie, I'm things, sure of it. But uh, do you know Military Strategy? No? Then shut the fuck up a little bit, okay.
1: Yeah, I was surprised that the <laughs> dick in the pocket line made it into the uh, script. By the way, do y'all know, and I keep forgetting this, but I, 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 I you know, during, while well, writing the show notes, I, I came across this again, which I'd forgotten, but do y'all know who wrote the screenplay to this movie? No. Fucking Danny Strong, A aka jonathan from buffy Fucking. the vampire slayer wrote the screen well, he also wrote the butler yes yeah no he's what a great he's actually a very great prolific screenwriter but yeah i always forget Fucking that he's the Danny one that Strong. wrote this yeah no i didn't yeah. know that yeah did he write the second yeah, one yeah he wrote the two mocking jays together god. God. oh my so, yeah, god he did mocking jay one and script, two too. yeah yeah and I, I don't think he wrote the first two movies i think he, but he wrote the last two no i th- i think he did really well with this oh That's yeah, the screen son the of a screenplay bitch. is really good to this movie it's it's like like there's some great dialogue actually and it, it, it adapts the first the first half of the book mocking jay really really effectively i feel like oh shit he has he has had a golden career
0: after this uh he wrote some for proven innocent he wrote empire 102 episodes he created empire yeah um Damn. And dope sick. That was a really good miniseries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and now
1: he's working on a. Now he's working on an Empire spinoff. Oh, nice! Right now. I saw him as an actor in something not too long ago, actually, where I was like, "Oh, hey, Danny Strong." But like, I think uh, I think it was in an episode of Marvelous Mazel. Actually, as you recall that he as, was. as an actor, yeah, yeah. yeah. lucky motherfucker. But he's talented. He's fucking
0: talented. And he wins awards. He's a good
1: actor. He's a phenomenal writer. Like, he's a really good writer. Yeah. I honestly think that goes a long way whenever it comes to writing,
0: because you're able to kind of see the boundaries a little more and get into the heads of each one of the characters.
1: Actors who go into writing also tend to be good with dialogue too, because they know yes. what actual like, like sentences that okay, like what's a what's sentence organic. someone could actually say. You know, like exactly. George Lucas,
2: would this just be like the dumbest shit imaginable?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm glad you were the one who said George Lucas, Liz, because I was, I, kinda, I was going to say something <laughs> about George Lucas. <laughs> dialogue is not his. Son. The man writes stories for days. Oh, his storytelling is but phenomenal dialogue? as much as i bash on him his storytelling is great you know yes. his, world oh, yeah. building, yeah. dialogue, his storytelling take his that world shit building, away from him.
2: his technical <laughs> directing is honestly phenomenal but yeah the man cannot write dialogue to save his life <laughs> yeah
1: uh, i really like this propo film crew you got natalie dormer in there you got eldon henson from daredevil among other things in there who does not speak but it was important for pollux for them to get a really good actor to play that role though because he's yes. he emotes so much with just his face and his eyes you know yes it's like-
0: yeah eldon henson is fucking phenomenal i mean he can lay it down i'd love to see him in a lot of other different roles what's his name just
2: gonna driving sign
1: Elden henson we've said it like 10 times already no 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 Elden
2: henson west chatham sorry oh is he the brother of the of Paula? yeah he's, oh, a, okay. he's the brother yeah uh, i don't really know that actor i don't think his main thing he's one of the uh, main actors on the expanse show oh, oh. okay yeah
0: It's a it's a really good team they work through eye contact and movement like a crew usually
2: has to work on set and it's and it's fun to watch that kind of flow. Yeah, I love their constant instincts for exactly which moments need to be caught on camera that they all share with them before anyone else does. It's like like sure, Katniss will say, "Hey, don't film this bit or do film this bit," but they know exactly when they need to what actually needs to be filmed when and how.
1: I like that they were also citizens of the capital that left on their own accord yes. to be a part of this revolution. You know, I I I think it is great, and that's why. I love about Effie in this movie because we never really get in the books that Effie necessarily was ever really on the side of the rebellion in the books that I can recall but I like the fact that she was so won over by Katniss and Peta that she just completely flip-flopped on because she was she was part of the team that was facilitating the Hunger Games at first, and then she just got yeah. to the point of you know j- just being completely against it. So, but I, I just I like seeing, being able to see all of that. Had they left her, she would have been killed
0: by the by the Capitol hands Damn. down. I wouldn't <laughs> even second guess that. Do you think
1: that's what happened in the books? I'm trying to remember if they ever said what happened. I to her. think so. Yeah. They never say,
0: but I I don't think I don't think she survives.
1: Yeah, I doubt it as well. So I I, kind of prefer this, this alter the alternate canon of the movies in which he does become a part of the revolution. I think it's just more interesting. It doesn't really go along with the book. It says that it doesn't mention in the book. I think that Effie wasn't really the breakout character in the books the way that she was in the movies and I think that so much of that just goes to Elizabeth Banks I think that she just won a lot of people over and became more of a fan favorite character than I I think she was ever originally intended to be She won hearts
2: yeah. Yeah, She brought people
0: in and everybody wanted to see more of her because she took this character that was a facade, she was meant to be a facade, but she made something genuine out of her Mm -hmm. i think that was what it
1: is is that she especially in the second movie but even at certain points in the first movie she has these moments where the facade breaks just a little bit and and she's still effie she's still completely the person that, that, that she
2: is but like there's just these little moments you know you're talking directly to effie's heart yeah And in some ways, I almost got the impression from the movies that this is Effie kind of not just breaking the facade, but actually building something behind it. Like, you you get the impression that she has at least allowed herself to be exactly as shallow as she seems for years. But then slowly came to get more actual substance to her, and I think that Elizabeth Banks does a great job of like showing that transformation, um, even in, yeah, even in the first two movies, and obviously with a great development on that in this one. Oh, for sure.
1: I really also like the uh, the field hospital sequence. It's a memorable part of the book that they pretty much translate directly into the movie. I had mentioned when we reviewed Catching Fire that I was an extra in the in that movie. I was in a couple scenes of this movie as well, and the fi- the field hospital scene was one of those. So canonically, I I did get killed by the uh, f- by the hovercraft that crashed into the hospital. Although you can't really see me as well uh, in that crowd scene as you can in the in the Catching Fire sequence, but. Yeah, I mean, I I really like this sequence. Uh, I I like the, I think it's interesting, even though it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I do think it's interesting that Katniss destroying the hovercraft causes the hovercraft to crash into the hospital, so she kind of inadvertently causes the 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 actual destruction of of the field hospital. Although, again, it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because they were already coming to to bomb the hospital. Yeah, anyway, they were going to so. blow it up anyway you know maybe maybe she could have been a little bit more deliberate as far as when she shot them out of
2: the sky and like where but you know at the same time at the same time they these are bombers the fact she managed to shoot one while it was in flight at all is goddamn amazing but i think it does a good job of showing that and that's kind of the whole thing with the Mockingjay outfit is that the Mockingjay outfit is almost it's basically this classic superhero-esque outfit yeah um her getting those custom arrows is all stuff that this larger than life heroes would do and she is almost a larger than life hero she did shoot a hovercraft out of the sky and then it crashed into a hospital and killed people because this is not the kind of universe where larger than life heroes necessarily prosper where that sort of thing always ends in a way that people need or want I like the complexity of it. I like the shame and the guilt and also the what the hell were you supposed to do feeling. That there is nothing to do after it. She could bury her head in the sand and feel terrible about killing those people. And she probably will anyways. But in the moment, there's nothing to do but use it. I like the messiness of it.
0: She was like, pew, boom! Pow! Oh my god, look what the capital did! Those sons of bitches! <laughs> and
2: <laughs> the truth of it is, if she didn't do anything... That they would have bombed that it anyway. Would have been, that yeah. would have been them. That would have, that bombed would have it been entirely anyway. on the Capitol. They were planning on bombing it. They were planning on killing it. That whole wreckage would have happened whether or not she was there. Yeah, she just had to recognize that she's not there to actually save the day. Well, the,
1: the one thing that that I will kind of push back as as far as that goes is I, I think we see by President Snow's dialogue that the Capitol would not have sent those bombers if she hadn't shown up to that hospital. The, fact, the fact that she showed up is the reason why they, they decided to bomb that hospital. So they were doomed. So yeah. they were doomed, but it, it is kind of Katniss's fault. But at the same time, it's also not because again, President Snow didn't have to bob the fucking hospital, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah.
0: you know, he's vicious in
1: this. Yeah, I would like to say my
0: only problem with this scene, it it's heartbreaking, it's heart wrenching. My only problem with this is Katniss still isn't as good as Jean Claude Van Damme because Jean Claude Van Damme <laughs> shot a helicopter down with just a bow and arrow, and Katniss had to have a bomb attached to her bow and arrow. What's up with that? You know what's what? up with that
1: <laughs> the thing that i love is that in this movie she is actually hawkeye including having all the the trick arrows and the exploding the arrows, arrows yeah. yes hawkeye with trick arrows
2: <laughs> yep, she, did, she did go full hawkeye
1: but when bd shows up he's like q from james bond it's like yeah here i have yeah fire arrows here you have your exploding arrows here you got your slime arrows Here you got your like your net arrows here you got your pin particle arrows or you shrink things with it. No. She even had she even
0: had tampon arrows for whenever she came across women that were PMSing.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, "Oh, uh, is this your time of the month?" Just Hold bend on, over, just a second. You. Let me just aim. Yeah. Uh, can, can you bend
1: over? Like a good shot here. <laughs>
2: i do also want to put a put a thought in your guys' heads uh what aside from tampon arrows (laughs) i mean now that's in everybody's heads and i'm glad for that but in regards to Beattie, in the last film I know we were discussing that he makes just an uncharacteristically stupid decision that ends up with him shocked. There was something that Plutarch said at the very beginning of this film that made me wonder whether or not there was actually a stupid decision. Where the first time he talks to Katniss as they come out and she says that her firing the arrow, that footage of her firing the arrow, that was what caused the spark of the rebellion to really flare up. Do you think Plutarch and BD had intentionally set it up so that he would shock himself just so she would get the idea to do that, even knowing that BD would get possibly permanently harmed, as was the case?
1: Um, I, it's, it's a very interesting idea. I go back and forth on it because they're still leaving a lot to chance if that was actually the plan. And I think that the plan was always first and foremost to get Katniss out of the arena. Like, that was all, like, like at any cost, and there's a part of me that's like, sure, if we can make some, some cool theatrics happen, then awesome, you know, we'll make some th- some cool theatrics happen, but, I don't know, it's an interesting thought. I, I also wouldn't put it past those characters at the same time, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe, I, I think maybe he was willing to sacrifice himself
0: for the greater good. That would make sense. I could see it happening that way.
2: And he clearly was willing to sacrifice himself, anyways. Yeah, well, no, that, that's definitely true. To what degree?
1: That's definitely true. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of. For me, it's not about causing harm to himself so much because I don't think he cares about that. It's just about that calculated risk of is doing this going to be enough to give Katniss the idea? It just again, it just feels like leaving more to chance than than maybe they would prefer to do. In my mind, yeah. I think that that's yeah. that's the that's, fair. that's that's the reason I would be personally skeptical of that theory, but I think it's a good theory. I think it's a genuinely good fan theory. I do, yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, what do we think of the way that they use Peta in this movie, you know, these the, these cutaways to these interviews that he's doing with Caesar Flickerman, and the, I I love the fact that he just looks rougher and rougher and rougher every time. It's just like I, I don't know what they did with like his makeup or if Josh Hutcherson just like, hey, just don't sleep for twenty four hours before you film this scene. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest.
0: I had a problem with the way that they did PETA in this movie because they didn't give me any shirtless scenes. They didn't <laughs> give me any anything with him in like a, a G-string. They didn't oil down his body. It was... What are we going to do about this? I mean, I think that major, major letters need to be written and sent out to the production team.
2: But, you know, that's my problem. Look, you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman. You have <laughs> Natalie true. Dormer num, 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 in num, a tank num, num, top num. at some point. I mean, I, I felt this movie was already doing quite enough for that on that particular <laughs> front. That
1: <laughs> you know, when I was an extra in that hospital scene, I saw Natalie Dormer, Uh, doing some of her coverage and I didn't know who she was at that time I didn't know who Natalie Dormer was at that time but I remember looking at her and being like who's that babe? Like I actually like kind of <laughs> thoughts like damn you know like
0: <laughs> she's stunning,
1: yes. Yeah, I-, I could see that. <laughs> like that the, the half shaved head like totally works for me. I don't know what it is. Like <laughs> well, no, yeah. it's it's a, it's a good look, especially for her. Yeah.
0: I do love that they the way they used PETA in this because every time you see him, he's worse and worse and worse. And there's not long between the times that you see him, but it's scary because you you see that tor- Torture taking hold of his mind, especially when they say they're making Katniss say these things. There is a flick, there is a control switch in his eyes. And Joss Hutchinson is just fucking phenomenal. But you see this flick in his eyes. And you know that he believes that they're making Katniss say and do these things because he thinks they're torturing her the way that the Capitol is torturing him. There is this humanity. There is a little root ball that is still PETA Millark right there that flashes. And then we have we have that uh, hanging tree song that flashes among him. And even from the very beginning that he hears that song, it's something that pulls him out. And he's not this he's not this controlled, mind controlled uh, cretin that they created. You know, he's just a ghoul that the capital has created to kill Katniss, they want him to be their tool that brings Snow that happiness that Katniss is dead. And he wants it to be from PETA because he knows how much that's going to hurt.
1: And that's the thing. It's like, because I think Snow knows that even if PETA... Because I think Snow knows there's a chance that PETA won't succeed in killing Katniss. But he yes. thinks so, that even if he fails, that that that's just going to break Katniss's spirits to see PETA exactly. like that. And that's what it's all about. That mental warfare.
0: Snow is so chilling. And he is so fucking vicious in this
2: movie. It's like, goddamn, he just... You know, after the bombing of 12... Like, The slow drip of introducing more and more roses with every cut of the knife, like the one rose left in her house. Um, the field yeah. of roses left after bombing 13. Just the goddamn lengths that he goes to just to fuck with Katniss. Just yes. to twist that knife more and more. We lived through the 90s. We lived through the 80s.
0: Uh, I lived through the 80s. I'm sorry. And then in the 2000s we have seen madmen pop up in different countries.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about Mad the show with uh, jo- John oh. Hamm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm talking about mad leaders. Uh, even in Trump you see how vile they become after not getting what they want and i have always wondered how does someone come to this moment where how they're thinking someone of come doing to something this moment
1: how do you come to a moment <laughs> like this well how do you how do
0: you come to how do you come to this moment where you're willing to kill your own people yeah you know it's a very pertinent subject even for today even with what's going on in the world right now, I'm not going to say any names because I don't want people to think that I'm pro-one and pro-the-other because I'm not. I, I am not educated enough to speak on those situations. But when a madman is willing to not only strike out and kill his enemies, but to kill his own people that he has vowed to protect – it's the the character of Snow becomes this morbid creature in this movie. He is no longer a human being. He is just a writhing snake that will take anybody out to get his so-called, in quotation marks, peace. I brought down the room.
2: Fuck. No, no, you're, no, got, you're <laughs> good. It definitely makes Phoenix... <laughs> Revel- he definitely revelations about Snow Definitely makes sense yes. Saying that he would poison anyone Even his allies, even himself
1: Yeah, yeah. that's the thing, yes yeah. To get
2: what he needs He's literally willing to Make anyone, even those he likes most even himself suffer to get his way yeah i
1: think that's really interesting yeah and th- those those revelations that finnick says about snow it's interesting because within the context of the plot it's really it really is just a stalling tactic to distract from yeah. the mission but at the same time he really is like dropping some truth bombs that like nobody fucking knows about president snow yeah. you know it it it, it 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 actually does work in kind of a twofold way which is i, I think kind of interesting but and to be honest
0: when when Sam Claflin is playing Finnick and he's right there in that moment, I can't look away. He's so much of the plot. Um, num 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 num.
1: I hate to draw this comparison, but I actually do think they're if not similar character types, they're similar actor types. But Sam Claflin is so much better than Liam Hemsworth in this movie. Like, Absolutely, like,
2: he really is. Absolutely. Like, I think there's a there's a big difference which is that broadly speaking I think you could cast Sam Cathlin and Liam Hemsworth as the same character if you wanted to there's a reason that Sam Cathlin is uh, Finnick O'Dare, which is that he has that he charm. has that inner charm, sincerity, and sweetness, despite also clearly being familiar with and way too used to navigating mm. this harsh underbelly world. Mm-hmm. Like he does genuinely have a true love who he cares very deeply about. And he was also a prostitute who had to deal in secrets and lies for ages. That dichotomy is not something I could... uh, Again, I'm not even trying to hate in Liam Hemsworth, but that's not something Liam Hemsworth could do.
1: I feel that what I'm hearing is that if Sam Claflin had played Gale, he would have made Gale too likable. Yes,
2: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He would
1: have. Maybe. Maybe I wouldn't have anything to bitch about if, if Claflin had played
2: Gale. <laughs> Maybe it would have been very different.
1: Finnick was the right character for him to
2: play. Oh yeah. Absolutely. 100%. And he gets to step away from everyone thinking that he's just for some reason Aquaman.
0: It's about time for him to play a version of Superman, though. Yeah.
1: I think he could <laughs> I think he could play him well. I think Superman. I mean, I honestly it would be typecasting, but I actually do think he'd be a really good Aquaman. If if you're gonna step would, away yeah. from a Jason Momoa version, which Jason Momoa is great, but yeah. I think if you want to go for more of a classic comics version of Aquaman, I think think Sam Claflin would be great for that actually. Um, sure, it'd yeah. be interesting. They've cast the new Superman. He's a relative unknown actor. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but they've they've, they've cast the new Superman in uh, the James Gunn version that they're making. And speaking of Marvel's vs. I know Rachel Brosnahan is playing Lois Lane, which I think is going to be great, so. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic choice. I don't think they should make any more Superman movies. Yeah, Here's the thing. I know I just said Claflin but here, should but be here's, Superman, but here's but... the thing that yeah, I understand was, like, you can say that and i i can even agree with you on some level but they're always gonna do it like they're, yeah, they're absolutely never, they're never not like they're never not gonna make superman movies batman movies and Spider-Man movies those are the yeah. three they're yeah. always gonna do so if you're gonna take make on, it at least like do an interesting new take on it and i think james gunn is a good person to do a new take on it i feel i agree yeah because no matter what even though they make them and i bitch
0: about it i'm they're still gonna get my fucking money Oh yeah. yeah, I'm still gonna pay for the ticket. I'm still
1: gonna go watch it.
0: I'm gonna bitch all the way through it and then I'm gonna be like, that actually wasn't too bad.
1: <laughs> it's James Gunn, so I feel like you're
2: probably gonna like it, Liz. Honestly. Thank oh yeah. Know. I fucking love him. Yeah. I mean, after yeah, after Guardians 3, I'm yeah, I'm totally on board.
1: I just I, I am gonna miss Henry Cowell though. I thought he was a really good Superman. He was I, he's I awesome. agree, yeah. I agree. How much did they have of Plutarch? When uh Philip Seymour Hoffman Died my understanding is Everything in this movie they had shot There Uh were a couple of scenes From the part two that they hadn't finished Cause they cause they did these two movies Back to back yeah so I think they did Everything in this movie they they had Shot and there there's there's nothing really In this movie there aren't any Scenes in my opinion in this movie where I'm Like where's Plutarch? it's like no like All the scenes where it makes sense for him to be there he's There there are like two big Scenes in Mockingjay part Two that are genuinely like where's Blutarch, but I think those are the scenes yeah. that were
2: yeah. that that were shot after his death. There's one in particular that I think of that's like very clear and obvious that he was yep. supposed to be there, but oh yeah, also. There was nothing they could do.
1: So we touched on the hanging tree song for a second, which kind of becomes this sort of anthem or this sort of theme, this motif for for this movie. Um, any thoughts on on the song itself, like the like the lyrical,
2: the symbolic significance of it? Not much. The one the one thing I'll say about it is that um, I do get chills every time the damn scene comes up when the entire crowd is singing it. That's a brilliant scene. I love that scene. Just the mixture of the music, the brutality, and yet, you know, the rebels who are being shot down and yet not stopping as they're singing and pushing it forward. It makes you feel in that moment more than any line of dialogue could ever say just how much of an effect Katniss is having. And it's not, again, anything she's doing. It is... Just that she is that spirit of the revolution. That's that's the thing I love the most about this film, is just how effectively it communicates how much they need the Mockingjay as that symbol. I'm gonna be honest.
0: I know why it's there. I understand why it's there. These movies came out at a time where there was uncertainty in this country, and... We are still facing some of that. That's why this movie is still fucking relevant. The song is well done. The song is, is well played. The song does its part. It calls people to be rebels. But I have a real problem with hangings. We don't understand the significance of the imagery of someone hanging from a tree. And that's something that this country has done for hundreds of years, specifically people of color. So the topic of hanging is a really, really tough subject to go through. And I wish that I had more to say about it. I wish that it had have been rewritten about oppression, maybe breaking the neck, something like that. Because the imagery of hanging is, it's just hopeless. And I know that that's what the song was going for, and it did its job. And uh, when I make this complaint, I don't have a fix. Usually I say, they could have added this line, or they could
1: have done this. Well, uh, I think that that's going to be a subjective person that I think is just- is. I think that it just pushes your buttons in a way that it won't it necessarily for everybody who watches this movie, yeah. so.
2: It does its part for most people. Looking at the lyrics of the song, I think it is supposed to be that, like- it is evocative. It is a little shocking, and from what I can see, the lyrics of the song it is sympathetic to the hanged man in some ways. Yeah. It's like it's, it's not from saying, his point of view. Yeah, it's not saying that they killed. You know, the, here's a murderer no. showing up It's saying they say who murdered three. Yeah, it's well they? done. And then he's you know who told his love to flee, who was hoping yeah. for freedom. It's it just evokes thoughts and imagery
0: and horrors in me and i know i could just be really sensitive to it and i know that and that's just one of my critiques but it does its job like i said before it does its fucking job it's powerful really powerful so much so that i just cannot look away and i cannot stop feeling the way i feel and i'm pretty sure it's written and saying the way it's done to make me feel that way um, whenever I'm watching it, I usually have to make jokes during that part to to get through it.
1: But yeah, I I do. I, I'm I'm just gonna again touch on that the the power plant bombing scene that you you spoke to Zach because I also I really do think it's a phenomenally done scene because it, it is j- just the way the way that they use the song and then the song becomes the the orchestral score for the film as well. They do focus uh, a lot on like the faces of of these rebels. It's like that these are all people who yes are so fed up with the oppression that all of them are willing to give their lives for this cause. And and they and they all do. I mean, they do run after they set the charges, but like they pretty, I think they know that they're not making it out because like once that dam breaks, they're all getting swept up. The whole mentality of it is they can shoot some of us, but they can't shoot all of us. Exactly. So they're all going in knowing knowing that they're going to die. Yeah, and it, it's just about it's just about getting the job done. It's a suicide mission. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're ready to go into our overall thoughts and our score of one out of ten. And Liz, I'm going to let you start. It's a really good movie. Uh, no matter what critiques I've had tonight, it
0: is a really good movie. And and I have to say that it's one of my favorites of the series. The only thing that really that I really bitch about, my big bitch is is Gel is a motherfucking bitch. <laughs> I hate him, but he's also an important part of the story. He is an archetype that is real, so I get it. The movie is a phenomenally made movie. The writing is fucking great. It entertains me. It feels like a slow burn sometimes, but every time I watch this one, I pay more attention to this one than part two. Part two loses me a little bit, to be honest, but part one, I want to know more, and I f- it, it makes me feel the things that... They wrote this to make you feel it gets me ready to fight in this this rebellion. And we all know I'm way too soft. I am a living Jigglypuff. I am a living Jigglypuff and I would not be good on any battlefield, but it gets me ready to go. And I have to give this one a 10 out of 10 because there's nothing in this that will age it and it's a story that we're gonna tell over and over again
1: this this whole movie franchise is excellent there is there's not a entry for me that's even just like oh yeah it's pretty good or it's okay like all all four movies are absolutely great movies in my opinion gun to my head if i had to choose the least favorite it would probably be this one for me I'll just I'll just say that. I do think it's really good. But I I just feel like by the nature of this story of the book mockingjay, like the second half of it is where the shit hits the fan and to me this movie is a lot of setup and it's a lot of build up. So as such, it it's the one that feels like it stands on its own the least well of the of the four in my opinion. And it for me there are parts of it that do drag a little bit. But all of it, even as I say it maybe drags a little bit, there's honestly nothing in this movie that I would really cut because I I do like the fact that we get... Some of these moments where we can have these, these more quieter character moments of really developing and really exploring the psyche of these characters of, of Katniss, of PETA, of the, the leadership behind the rebellion and even Gale. You know, I think that this one does provide a, a more interesting look at Gale than, than we see in the other movies. And I really like seeing the developing of, This this revolution and the fact that, you know, they do have to be kind of artificial in their presentation of Katniss in order to uh, win people over to the revolution. But I like the fact that we get to see the revolution really starting to work. We really do get to see people, you know, carrying out these attacks against the peacekeepers against the, the the power plant and the infrastructure uh that holds these districts in the capital all together so overall i think it's a really really good movie it's just not my personal favorite of 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 the series but i'm going to go a, a extremely strong 8 out of 10 is is what i'm overall going to give it i i really really like really it good, yeah. and especially when i watch all four movies together i think that this one holds up better and is as kind of a binge watch uh than it does on its own because like on its own it does kind of feel like half of a movie but again i i think that splitting into two movies let us go a lot more into the details so i'll I'll go eight out of ten
2: i think that spending this movie as a relatively slower paced breather where we spend more time absorbing everything that's happened so far and developing things in a much more natural organic way for these characters to change to grow instead of having one big event after another it is more a logical progression of the fallout i really appreciate this movie take the time for that um i like that this was split up just so that we have time for that it is slower uh, than most of the other movies in the series Um, at times it does require you to spend a little more time to, it it asks a little more investment of the audience instead of immediately giving you stuff to grab on which i don't think is necessarily bad but i can understand how it is not someone's favorite for that Gale is, in my opinion, the weakest just because I've never been interested in the person who's kind of a shitty asshole trying to have a romance arc, but that is also kind of the point. He is supposed to be a bit of a shitty asshole trying to have a romance arc and completely not realizing that Katniss does not need that at all right now. Good Lord, does no. she not need that right now. <laughs> but this is still an excellently crafted movie, with great writing and wonderful performances throughout. And on a much pettier level, there is also a giant cat in the film <laughs> with that Katniss does get to exclaim in disbelief oh my gosh she went to say the goddamn cat what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> and so for that uh i i am gonna give this a nine out of ten cat hating bitches <laughs> katniss does hate the cat she, she really yeah, does, hate she the does. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> they do not get along and it's yeah.
1: <laughs> wait so zach did you take a point away because you don't like the cat or because katniss doesn't like the cat and you don't like that katniss doesn't like the cat I'm, I'm actually
2: oh not, no oh. I added I added the point in I just I love the cat and I love the cat and this doesn't like the cat oh it's, you added a point yeah. because of that oh gotcha yeah.
1: gotcha <laughs> oh <laughs> they earned a point I okay. thought I thought <laughs> you <laughs> took <laughs> a point away
2: because of that but no that
1: makes more sense yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking cat people <laughs> <laughs> well I also oh god now I'm tempted to add a point just because there's a Lord song in the end credits but no I'll stick to my uh, 8 out of 10 sure, but I, I love I do love Lord, and I, I love the song <laughs> she, she wrote the song for this movie and I think it's actually a really good fucking song I saw <laughs> Her live when she was touring the melodrama album in 2018, and she she sang the Hunger Games song as part of her set. It was like Hunger Games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> well, we are going to be doing Hunger Games Mockingjay Part Two, just continuing this momentum next week because the Ballad of Songbirds is coming out uh, the the week that the Part Two review is going to come out. So stay tuned next week for our review of Mockingjay Part Two. Any parting words, like, Liz, what do you think of giant orange asshole cats? Giant orange asshole cats can suck it. They can <laughs> suck it.
0: <laughs> Especially if they put their butthole in your fucking face. You know how cats do that? What the fuck? Oh my god. I don't want to sniff that. Uh, but i am a millennial and they think every millennial wants to lick their ass and that's why cats put their ass in your face
1: do you remember that <laughs> scene in iron man 2 where tony is watching a recording of his dad and at one point his dad is drunk and is like i am here today to show you all my ass here it is <laughs> whenever he does that i'm just like that's that's just cat energy right
2: there yeah <laughs> <laughs> Nerd Shit is edited by the three of us as well as Sharon D. Wilson. Our music is composed by Sam Wilson. Hey, that's me. You can follow us on all social media platforms at The Nerd Shit Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and X. All at The Nerd Shit Pod. Make sure that you are subscribed to Nerdshit anywhere you listen to your podcasts.
1: Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating. And tell all your friends about us like
0: a nice cult. Spread us around like herpes. Nerd shit, nerd shit.
1: So strap on it because we're talking about the nerd shit. Stay shitty, nerds.